Serenissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Folks, welcome back to the iHealth channel. iHealth Radio with your host, Hurricane Age. New day, new show, new topic. Um, great topic, actually. Uh, great guest. Uh, an interesting discussion we're going to have today. Uh, and of course, all discussions are interesting, but this one is unique because of the perspective and also the angle that we're going to uh, drive this conversation uh, towards the end of the show. Uh, so, so we all know mental health is important. Uh, we talk about it every now and then. Uh, we've addressed a few topics. We do even have an, uh, a stand-in show once a month about mental health with Dr. Heim. But today's mental health is going to be a little different. It's going to get us to areas of the world maybe that may not have access to mental health or the appropriate mental health you know, services and resources. And so our guest today is going to take us to that journey. But before we go into that, we're going to talk about his journey and uh, you know his mental health debate and and live and uh, the things that he had to go through in, as a person before he went and started doing the work that he's doing that we're going to talk about today. So without any more suspense here, <laughs> I'm going to bring Matthew Dixon with me. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. This is a real treat. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, it, it's uh, it's it's a very powerful topic, and I think. Uh, you can never have enough mental health discussion. Uh, you know, there's there health is everything, right? Health is wealth, you know, as a whole. But the mental piece of it is just as equal to the rest of you know our body. And uh, sometimes, if the mental is not right or there's problems there, nothing else is going to matter, right? And society we live in can be very difficult, and it is difficult. And these are part of what we deal with. Everybody at a point in their life has some sort of level of mental distress, and uh, and that's different levels. But, but, you know, we all go through anxiety, depression, and, you know, just issues, life happens, right? But, but your journey was a little bit more extreme than that and uh, more difficult than that. Uh, but what I love about your story, and we'll talk about it soon, is that not only you took care of yourself, but now you're taking care of others. So, so let, let's start with your journey, Matthew. Yeah. So I'm in uh, Eastern Canada. I live on the, on the, right on the Atlantic Ocean. And I had a, pretty average childhood. Uh, I mean, it was fine. I had no, no real issues with my childhood at all. But uh, when I went off to university, I was taking engineering and I just didn't feel right. And this would have been the late 80s, early 90s. I didn't know about mental illness. We'd, taught, we'd been taught a little bit about mental health in high school, but I didn't know about mental illness and anxiety and depression and antipsychotics, antidepressants. I don't think Prozac had even been invented yet. That was sort of the big buzzword in the world for like a drug for mental illness. Although antidepressants and antipsychotics have been around much longer for decades before that. But I never heard of any of this stuff. I'd heard of schizophrenia. I don't know if I'd heard of bipolar. Maybe I had, but it just wasn't anything people even uttered, really. And uh, anyway, so I had some symptoms come on, but I could still do stuff. 
I was still getting mostly A's in, in engineering. I did a triathlon. I was on the university rowing team. I even bicycled across Canada uh, when I was 20. And uh, that's another story in itself. But uh, at the end of university, when the disease hit for, it hit hard. It just, I went from muddling through life a little bit to just flat on my back, incapacitated, not knowing whether I was going to live or die from one moment to the next in just a matter of weeks. It just it transpired like that. And I had been, I, I went to get help. I said, you know, I don't feel good. I, I, I this is, I, I was having suicidal thoughts and I thought that's not good. You should get that checked out, Matthew. I'd actually been to the university health clinic my very first year of university when some of these symptoms uh, were creeping up, but uh, they sent me for blood work. It came back fine. The first time I went my first year and they sort of sent me at the door saying, focus on the future. So that's what I did throughout university. I focused on the future um, and I didn't really know how I would do that. How do you do that? Um, but yeah, that's, that's how it went. So I told some friends about how I was feeling and whatnot, but no one really, knew what to do or knew what to say or they just said oh you know just keep going and that was it one said oh you should go see a mental health counselor you should go see a psychiatrist you should see what's wrong read these books go online check about mental health well the internet wasn't there for one thing the bookstores i don't know how much you'd have back then in the bookstore maybe they had books on them i never thought to do, even do that anyway so i got in the mental health system i got on an antipsychotic i'm still on it today and I noticed an improvement in my health every single week for 27 years. I'm 51 now. I went to get help when I was 22 at the end of university. And I went to get counseling for about the first seven years or so. I tried to live a healthy lifestyle. I mean, other than taking medication, um, and by the way, uh, with mental illness, uh, with milder forms of mental illness, you can sometimes get away without having to take medication. That's definitely possible. Uh, I was diagnosed with schizophrenia. And it's a more severe mental illness, and they often say you will need medication. So I'm like, it is a ball and chain, to be honest. When I first got that, it's like, oh, my gosh, I just biked across Canada, and now I've got this disease, and I have to take a pill. Plus, I was depressed. I had depression and anxiety as well. So it's like, oh, gosh. And you couldn't think positively about stuff. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, do I have to take a medication now, a pill? It was mm -hmm. such a ball and chain for me. I'm so down about that. Now I take a pill, and it's like, well, it's so you so you pop a pill isn't that like the ultimate cure for anything just pop a pill and you're fine <laughs> but uh any i i say that in jest but uh anyway it's uh yeah it's uh so anyway i went to get help and I got help for years one of the things i did was i read a lot of books around the year 2000 i went and started reading books going online learning how to get myself better. I was in the self-help section a lot. I eventually gravitated more over to the business and career section mm -hmm. because a lot of top CEOs want to learn how to improve their mindset, their confidence. So that's what I was reading books by. So so the Navy SEALs, there's a Mark Devine. He's got a book called Unbeatable Mind. He, he trains, he creates Navy SEALs. He's a, he's a Navy SEAL himself. And his book teaches you how they get their confidence, how they get their strong brain power to go over and fight the bad guys <laughs> so i was reading books like that uh and they they helped me immensely so one thing i try to tell people is that so you so you've got depression so you've got anxiety or whatever and yes you can't be cured just like that you can't snap your fingers and you're cured but 
there are parts of your brain that you can change. There are thought patterns, mindsets, beliefs that we all have, and we can change them. We can grow in confidence. We can, because the old cliche, the old saying, knowing is half the battle. When I was a kid, G.I. Joe, the cartoon would always say that, knowing is half the battle. And uh, it's, I find it so true. Reading all these books, uh, knowing all this stuff. So yes, I couldn't, it didn't make me better. It didn't fix me overnight. But having all that knowledge does help. For example, bullying, uh, verbal abuse. Um, the book uh, Verbal Judo, The Gentle Art of Persuasion by George Thompson. He's a police officer. He teaches people, he teaches people how to, how to deal with people with words, not weapons. And this book is it's just wonderful it's helped me it's, it's the best people skills book i've ever read and he says so many people have never heard words of encouragement and praise and lots of us just get stressed no one's listening to us and we just it just builds up and then it bursts he says so often uh, police uh when they deal with someone the vast majority of people just start, need to be listened to all the calls they go on they just need someone to listen to them to, to vent and get off their chest he says sometimes you have to use force but oftentimes it's just let the guy vent so um but anyway, he says, for example, bullying, uh, there are so many people, he says, verbal abuse is rampant in our society. It's rampant. And uh, tone of voice, I know Dwayne Johnson, when the pandemic first hit, he said he was a little shaky. And he said, you know, he was talking about his relationship, maybe with his wife, I think. And he said, you know, it's all the tone of voice. And I, I try to pay more attention to my tone of voice voice like what's the tone of voice is there anger behind it is there a little bit of disgust in your voice or a little bit of hatred when you're talking to somebody how does that come out what does that other person think mm -hmm. about you what do they think you think about them and i really try to be conscious of tone of voice empathy having kindness for other people and yeah so it's uh so i mean books books on bullying how to deal with a bully how to deal with someone who's harassing you verbally how do you do? Well, there's books written on them. And so, yes, you may be in a situation like me being somewhat still sick. I, I kept improving. I improved weekly for 27 years. So I was always getting better. But uh, having this knowledge in your head, when someone comes up to you and gives you a tone of voice or some cruel words, how do you deal with that? Well, if you've never read any books on that, how would you know what to do? But if you've read the books, yes, it may still be hard for you to, to go through that. Yes, you may not be able to know what to do or to act on it the right way totally but having that knowledge you know more what's going on and you know what the right thing to do is even though you might not be able to do it and it helps it may be still be you're still sick the person is still abusing you it can still affect you maybe greatly but it brings it decreases the stress it decreases what you go through and that's why i mean when you're desperate i was desperate for help please somebody stop this please somebody stop this pain make me better now can you fix it now anything you can do to stop that you're desperate for tools it's like finding a grizzly bear or a cougar or something and it's it's on you and you're down on the ground pinned to the ground and your arms are searching around for something a stick a stone something you can bash it over the head to stop it you're desperate for tools and i really encourage people to to do the nerdy thing and go to the library. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> you said Seriously. the L word, man. <laughs> library. <laughs> wow. Think of the past. So I still exist. I mean, they're still good, but I mean, with Google and everything now, it's a little different. <laughs> you may, yeah. that's why it kicked me out. <laughs> well, so, so, so Matthew, I, you've covered a lot of, uh, 
stuff already in your journey and i'd like to just dissect a little bit you know uh piece by piece literally first things first um schizophrenic diagnosis of schizophrenia i mean i again i'm not I think what what the common folk will probably refer to is double personality. Is that what we are talking about, or is that part well, that's of what a lot of people? Yeah, that's what a lot of people think. There is a thing as double split or multiple personality. Those do exist, and I, I'm no expert. The only official certification I have is, is an engineering degree. So uh, please say what, whatever I say. Listen to it with a dose of healthy skepticism. From my from what I've read. Uh, split or multiple personality happens because of severe abuse, mm -hmm. um, but it does exist. You, you'll see people online or on shows that have like 20 different personalities. I was never like, that's not schizophrenia though. It's uh, uh, schizophrenia. You, your world sort of uh, is altered somewhat. For me, uh, it just becomes very scary. It's like uh, ever wake up from a nightmare and you're still awake, but you still have that creepy feeling going through your body. And it's like, and for me, I'm like, oh, I don't want to fall asleep. I try to stay awake because I don't, want to, I don't want to go back into the nightmare. And that's what my daily life was like. The old, the old cliche, the old saying, uh, living nightmare. That's what it was like. It's just very scary, very creepy to go out to to get up in the morning. To It's like watching a, a horror movie. It's not a, all sunshine and butterflies. They make the movie so it's scary and creepy with the sound and the, the lighting and all that sort of stuff, the actors and the voices and that's what daily life was like. Just very, very scary. And uh, But for the facts of schizophrenia, 1% of the population worldwide has it, male and female, every country around the world. And there's some mystery around it. They don't, it, it is sometimes known to skip generations, uh, but that's not even for, that's not all the time either. Uh, I mean, in my family, mm, there's not much mental illness at all, actually, in my family. We did find a relative back in the early 1900s who had it who had schizophrenia but uh there so with schizophrenia uh, it's hallucinations uh i never i was in the 25 percent of people with schizophrenia that don't hallucinate but for those that do the 75 percent that do those hallucinations can be any of the five senses they see things hear things take uh touch, touch taste smell things um and they can be relentlessly tormenting like someone a voice in your head is yelling at you abusing you from the moment you wake up all day long you're tying your shoes brushing your teeth until you fall asleep at night for years so but at the same time some people have actually beautiful and enjoyable hallucinations so uh, i'd say for the most part though they're very very uh, difficult to go through there is some good news on that with hallucinations they have a thing called avatar therapy they can take someone uh, who's having hallucinations, you go into a room, there's a computer there, and there's an avatar on the screen. You doctor the avatar up so that it looks like or represents your hallucinations. In another room, there's a therapist, you can't see them, but they will talk to you through the avatar, avatar on your screen. And the whole idea of this is that you stand up to your hallucinations. You say, no, you're not going to be in charge of me. I'm the one running the show. The remarkable thing about this is that it doesn't work for everybody. It works partially for some people, but for those who it works for, the hallucinations can be gone in a matter of weeks, like one or two sessions a week for eight, 10 weeks, rough numbers like that. Mm -hmm. And they can get rid of these hallucinations. I mentioned that to somebody 
nearby where I live. And he said, Matthew, so thank, thank you so much for telling me this. He said he had hallucinations. And he said one day he decided to stand up to them. And at work, he said his mom was in the next room. She was a bit concerned about him. But when she learned what he was doing, she was like, oh, okay, I get it now. And he said at work, they diminished slightly. He said, I, I never heard of avatar therapy. Thank you so much for telling me this. I'm going to look into it more. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's I, I just find that remarkable. <laughs> well, it, it sounds like it. I mean, again, uh, first of all, thank you for breaking that down. Again, uh, the idea of having a voice or, or, or feeling things or smelling things or hearing things constantly. I mean, that, that's, that's not, that's creepy for most of the part. But if you live with that, I mean, you would literally have different thoughts because you don't know what's real, what's not real. It, the world just kind of scrambles up. I mean, it, I just, not going through it, but just hearing about it from you, I, I cannot possibly imagine what that was on a day-to-day -day basis, waking up and just having to deal with it. And and then you start to deal with society. That's dealing with it one one way, <laughs> it's one thing, but also applying you and, and working throughout everything else around your life while you're going through this, you're probably going to alienate a lot of people. People are not going to understand you. It's going to be tough to deal with folks. Uh, and uh, they're not going to understand what's going on with you, uh, especially the remote folks. I mean, uh, to your point, I mean, maybe family members, once you're diagnosed and everything, they know what's going on. They're going to be more careful, more caring and stuff like that. But the people that don't know, you go to a store, you go somewhere, they're not going to know. So living in society is going to be very difficult. Talking to You talked about bullying uh, people bully people for no reason. Imagine if they think that you have something different or wrong, right? They'll just take over. I mean, they, cause unfortunately there are people that are just, they love that stuff. It's like they, they thrive in this. And, uh, now with social media, it's even worse. I mean, you got people that just do that, you know, free willy, <laughs> they just do it. Yeah. Uh, so it is difficult now, it, 27 years of regular treatment and doing this, ultimately you were able to adjust and you said it, the books and the reading have to have some guidance and some tools. You actually literally took the tools and you talked about knowledge. No one is having the game or have the battle. I mean, not knowledge. There is expression. Knowledge is power. And some people may define it not so much. It is power, but it leads to power because you're in control. You have more tools and I mean, you prepared better. And it, if you know about things, I mean, there is that movie about knowing. I don't know if you've seen Nicolas Cage. Uh, no. the, yeah, it's, it's called Knowing. And it's about uh, this lady who has this future. It's kind of sci-fi. It's kind of religious. It's a little weird, but 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 the idea is the idea of knowing what's going to happen, uh, you know, uh, was scary in that movie. But the idea of knowing anything um, that can be also, also good. I mean, the more knowledge, the more you are literally um, prepared. You know, if you, that's that's all it is. I mean, you are equipped, you know, to do certain things. Uh, someone who doesn't know, you know, basically they don't have a clue. They cannot do things, right? And so the idea is what can you do about it is, is a big difference for someone who has nothing. But you took... Uh, any other steps that maybe someone else may not have taken, and uh, you've gone through the route of, I guess, psychiatry and 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 you know pills and things like that. And we'll talk about that as well because that's important to understand. Because to your point, there are things where people may be hesitant to take you know pills or medicine. There are some medications that can be not so good in terms of health wise. They may have other side effects and things like that. And it's very difficult when you get into this. No one can actually understand what you've gone through, except you or someone has been through the process and maybe not even your psychiatrist or psychology, you know, you know, uh, professionals, they, they, it's one thing to know about things again and, and experience in yourself. It's just never going to be the same. I mean, we can describe anything we want to someone, but unless you go through the emotion, you and I, we had this brief discussion before, uh, 
you know, we hear about things. We, you know, we think it happens to everybody else, but only when it happens to us. And then we're like, whoa, now you start respecting everybody. <laughs> this, happens, <laughs> this, this happens in all our lives. And it doesn't have to be in this particular context of, of schizophrenia, but it's anything in our world. Now, you were young. I mean, that's that's the other part that's devastating. And and, and it's 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 you're not the only one. I mean, people are going through it today. They've been going through it today, you know, in, in all these years. And you were just about going out of college and university, graduating. You have a career path ahead of you. And then, boom, you just said it. You went through Canada, you know, which would be an interesting story to actually bike in throughout the whole. I hope it was in the summer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but 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 so so it, that, that's got to be beautiful, by the way. Uh, yeah, but 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 then you come back and then you have to face the reality of like, wow, there's something wrong. There's something different. And 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 you don't even get to understand it right away because I'm sure it's it's probably taken you some time to realize that something was off. Am I right or wrong? Yeah. So I mean, I did go to get help my first uh, first year of university, and then when it really got bad, I went again at the end of my fifth year. But uh, I mean, I, I voluntarily went to get help. But it's uh, I can understand why some people don't want to. It's uh, it's frightening. It's uh, any big health diagnosis, I think, would be frightening. And it's uh, for some people who don't want to take their medications. Uh, there's, uh, like I said, some people can get away without medications, but sometimes some people need them. And uh, there's a man, his name is Dr. Yavier Amador, and he, his brother had schizophrenia and did not want to get treatment. So, and he was just not doing well. Without treatment, he was, his brother wasn't doing well. And his brother did not believe he was sick. And on his uh, Dr. Yavier's website, leapinstitute.org, uh, he's got uh, he t he teaches people how to talk to your family member so that they will take medication. There's a certain percentage of people with mental illness who don't believe they're sick, and it's not even just mental illness. It's a thing called anisognosia, and uh, a doc the doctor who discovered it, he had a patient whose arm was paralyzed. The patient did not believe his arm was paralyzed. Couldn't do anything with the arm. He just did not believe it was. He, he thought he was fine, mm -hmm. and the doctor called this anisognosia. And certain percentages of people with mental illness have this. And Doctor Yavi's brother had it. So he teaches people through his uh, videos how to talk to your family member to rebuild the relationship with them. Because often the relationship gets frayed. You need help? No, I don't. You need help? No, I don't. Um, and it's so he, he teaches you how to talk to your family member out of respect for them from their point of view and rebuild the relationship. And I haven't looked all tons into this, but the best I can, from what I understand of how it works is his brother never, ever believed he was sick, even with all the help from his family. But what happened was he decided to get treatment because he loved his family so much. He did it for them, even though he, he didn't think he was sick, he got treatment. That's the best I can understand from it. I, I need to watch more of it, um, the videos. But it's uh, he's 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 got a TED talk. He's does, uh, and like I said, I'm no, I'm not an expert, but I try to tell people about that because it's it's obviously worked for him and many other people. So, and I haven't watched the videos to to see how to talk to your family member like that. I, I get the gist of it. I've seen some of them, but that's uh, uh, I wish more people knew that because how many people do you know? who are not doing well and don't want to get treatment well what if you knew how to talk to them right away? what's well, denial um, right it, we we all have this this first reaction to everything you don't want to accept 
the reality of what's going on uh and you de- basically just deny it like it doesn't happen i mean you don't agree that it's happening to you again it cannot possibly happen to me and so you get into that mode like you know you shut down no this is not this is impossible i'm not going through this and unless you accept the reality of things you know then you can open up to treatment stuff but if you're really shut down and you close your mind to it and you just keep going and fighting the current and like you know nothing's going to happen you know eventually it's going to get to you one way or the other i mean you talked about depression and suicidal thoughts i mean that's when it gets rough i mean even if you close yourself on you know and by the way a lot of probably a lot of the problems that happen today with maybe suicidal thoughts and even suicidal uh you know attempts and people that take their lives is there is a good chance that you know this happens and they just basically they don't tell anyone and that's most of the cases that we hear about uh people don't they're not aware your close people don't even know until you're gone and uh, there is no so there's encouragement to talk to people always find out what's going on be open and to your point just have that discussion and the art of discussion also needs to be almost orchestrated in a way that is you know comfortable because if you do it the wrong way they're just going to deny you and reject you as well so it is not an easy for for anyone to be dealing with this individually and then of course your immediate you know entourage your family support system is 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 important but if you cannot open up that's going to be challenging uh, as a matter of fact um so this this last friday of uh, of march we're going to have a, a a second part of a discussion we talked about bipolar uh discussion just we started to discuss it you know the last show uh with dr Heim. so we will actually expand on this so maybe you can join that discussion and by the way you if you want to join us on the call i mean that would be great to have you know an actual psychiatrist with us on the discussion there that would be awesome sure yeah but but yeah so i'll I'll send you the link Uh, and 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 so we because we left off at the end it was just not enough time at the end of the show to continue with the question so we're going to start with it and and the part of the question was about you know because well it was more about like multiple personality disorder but but i guess it, it can feed right into the, the schizophrenia concept and from a psychiatrist you know a version of it and maybe that can give you know more uh connection to people with with the reality of things but but you're right now you said you you went in the first year to get treatment personally uh, and then later on you went back again so does that mean that first opportunity that you had to get treated was helpful for for those few years or was it better at least a degree or or, or ultimately uh, it weaved that away? The first time, no, not really. I, they sent me for blood work. It came back fine and they sort of sent me out the door. I mean, they're nice about it, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So when the disease hit really, really hard and I, and I went to get help, uh, my first thought was, why didn't I get help sooner? Well, I did, but I didn't know. I didn't, no one knew what to do. I didn't know what to do. So but I thought, imagine if I got this drug into me five years earlier. I don't know if I'd gone to, in my first year of university, I don't know if, if they could have even have diagnosed me with schizophrenia because my only symptom was I was just low in energy. Maybe mm. they would have said, well, maybe you've got a bit of depression. I don't even know what they would have done for me back then. I mean, I mean that I still stayed that same way through all of university, but yet, I mean, I was able to bicycle across Canada and be on the, the the university rowing team and do a triathlon so i had energy it's uh it's all very confusing and i find uh things can get very gray you start thinking about this like well why did this happen why did i do this uh when things can get severe it just it gets very very gray i don't i to be honest uh well one of the other symptoms of schizophrenia is disorganized thinking it's uh, hard to think clearly but people say with the disease, and I'm the same way, 
that even though you can't think properly, there's another part of your brain that ticks along just fine. You, like I had thoughts of, okay, well, I'm waking up in the morning. What do I want to do today? Should I go for a walk now or later or this evening? Uh, what do I want to eat? What do you want to have for lunch today? Um, should I go back to school? Should I go visit somebody uh, this afternoon? You know, I'd, I'd have all these thoughts that ticked along just fine. But it's kind of like shouting into a tornado. It's all very scary and frightening. And uh, instead of having a nice, calm, reassuring voice in your head, oh, Matthew, you know, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Just go, go over and have some fun. You know, a voice like that, it's like, come on, try harder. Come on, come on, fight this. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. This is going to be, this is scary. This is difficult. I don't want to go through this. Come on. You got to go. It's like a drill sergeant voice that you, these two voices in your head, like, like trying to shout into a tornado. Instead of sitting by the dock on a nice, hot, summer, sunny day with the waves lapping against the shore, and you've got your fishing rod out like Huck Finn, just enjoying life, traveling down the river. It's uh, imagine if Huck Finn had a, that, that's what I say. It's like a, it's like being chased by a heat seeking tornado. It's just, uh, it's anyway. So, yeah, so, it's, so, uh, so the first time you went to, to, to them, they did the blood work and that was it. You just, you know, low, maybe they give you some, you know, food, diet, whatever, maybe you get some vitamins, that kind of thing. And then they said, uh, they, they said your blood works fine. They, the sentence, it's one sentence, focus on the future and, uh, good luck. Wow. <laughs> he was nice about it. You remember it like yesterday. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. That was my advice for five years. And so, so, now the second time, did you go to an actual psychiatry, you know, a clinic to a mental health clinic to actually get the, the full diagnosis? Well, I phoned a friend and I said, I'm, you know, having suicidal thoughts. He said, we promised me to go up to the university health clinic. I said, I promise. And I walked up there. They talked to me for a bit and then they took me into the local, the city hospital with the psychiatric ward. And that was my introduction. Uh, I, you know, there's psychiatrists in the psych ward. There's medications nurses everything so that's how it all started so they got me on a medication after they tried me on six or seven of the 1960s antipsychotics none of them worked for me they tried me on one that had just come out that year in 1994 it worked a couple of weeks later they said do you notice any difference and i'm like yeah uh, i feel a little bit better so they said well stay on it and i'm still on it today <laughs> it's uh yeah what was so so but what was the process to, to diagnose i mean you go to them you tell them you, what you feel and they just give you a, a prescription is, is there any testing are they do they any assessments you know i mean what was that experience and again maybe they have changed by the you know i mean we're in you know 2023 uh, yeah. 94 may have been you know a little so behind you know in terms of where we are today in terms of mental health and and a lot of i think in the last couple of decades a lot of achievements have been made in the area but but in your case what was that like the process that you had to go through at least to get to identify your status of schizophrenic and then you know what will be the immediate solution which again let's get you on some meds and ultimately test out a few of them and then get to this one and which ultimately did work because it's you know it's still it, that's the only medicine i'm assuming that you're on today to date yeah so yeah, so, so you were one of the first ones and it's working and that's great and and by the way uh, again i'm not a big fan of meds but but if you have to take meds you have to take meds and some of these things you know do like even most of the doctors will probably not go first hand here's a med 
to cool you down and to calm you down. They're, only if you're extremely, you know, agitated or whatever, they might do that to just, you know, shut down your your symptoms, I guess. But the ideology is that they try to work with you a different way. And then, you know, if there is a need for help for drugs, they'll, they, they do the use of that. So, so it changes the dynamics. But your process, I mean, was that a couple of days of testing and assessment or? So it's, uh, it's over a matter of weeks. Okay. And they tried me on six or seven of the older drugs over, so like a week or two each. None of them worked. So other than, I mean, psychiatry is the only profession where they don't don't actually look at the part of the body that's sick. They don't scan your brain. They don't. It's the only profession where they do that. Is that still and, current or that was just then? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they don't do that. But. Uh, some do. There's a doctor, Dr. Daniel Amet. He's in the States. He's a leading brain scientist. He's got tons of books and resources. And he scans your brain. And he's got a book called Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. And he talks about how he he he, break, he breaks the brain up into like six or seven different areas, major areas. He says, and he has them all laid out there for you. He says, look, if you've got too much activity in this part of the brain, you're going to have this mental health problem. If you have too little activity in this part of the brain, you'll have this mental health problem. So they scan the brain to look for either underactivity or overactivity in the major regions of the brain. And he can, just by not even listening to you or looking at you, he can just see a picture of your brain and say, you likely have these problems. Mm. So they've done it. They, they, they've done it. It's just not out to the masses. He has scanned thousands and thousands and thousands of people's brains. And he said, uh, he said, it's, in, it's, he, he said, he has trouble finding enough people with healthy brains to make up the statistical parts of the studies. Basically, he's saying a lot of us just don't have healthy brains, even though we may not have. <laughs> I tend <problems>. to agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a fact. I mean, we live in a society that we all kind of have some sort of a, an impact by by the way we live today. I mean, it just there's no way. I mean, everything around us, between the environment, the the news, the stuff that we 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 get fed from the beginning of you know from the our birth on you're exposed to all these elements and to a degree and you know what you're exposed to becomes you right it becomes part of your nature and you know again you watch movies right it's uh, we've heard the stories about you know the, you talked about horror movies right you know if you watch enough of those it becomes kind of like you know part of you right you know there's there's that your, your subconscious is almost you know conditioned to those things you see a lot of carnage and blood you become just bloodthirsty i mean there's all these you know connotations that we hear about but we don't kind of pay attention to them. We think we're strong. We, we think we can overcome these things, but we don't realize the damage that they, they do to us and how we apply them in, you know, anger, right? We, many of us are just angry for no reason. And, and, you know, I mean, we all fall, uh, I guess we are all, um, guilty of that. I mean, I, I, I can say for myself, I mean, I'm not, you know, uh, innocent to the degree where I can say I cannot get angry. I mean, I'm, I control myself to the degree, but at the end of the day, we all get to the moment where your emotions get a little, you know, too much and you can burst out. Right. And, and, and that's just the minimum piece of it. But to your point, I mean, I don't know if any of us is going to be like a hundred percent, you know, to the other extent where you can do a good contrast, you know, between, you know, the study, but, but, it, it, it nevertheless we have to try and i guess that's that's a pioneer in this area and hopefully that in in a couple more years uh this becomes a lot more relevant and more you know prevalent and, and used in, in the in, in the actual uh treatment of mental health issues and hopefully you know we'll get more again i would love definitely to have you come on uh, even for a few minutes just to 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 uh, to touch on this and get his his uh, official opinion because uh, I, I do i do really uh believe 
uh, Dr. Haim is one of the best in, in the world. Um, in, in he's, uh, he's from Australia and uh, he tackles a lot. If you do, you go to our channel, you'll see some of his Dr. Haim, you know, shows. And it's all about people send questions. He answers them based on, you know, different topics. Uh, but but he handles it, you know, he gives his you know true opinion. Obviously, it's not a consultation to a degree. I mean, those are more advanced things, but it gives the general, you know, just of how to deal with certain things. So it would be an interesting, you know, uh, discussion to have someone who has been, you know, with the diagnosis and living with it and, and the, the research and plus the work you do, because he may be also a resource that you can actually add into your mind aid concept that we'll talk about in a minute. So, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm listening to you. I mean, you went through those first five years and then you got the meds. Now you got the meds. And how was your life, though, you know, past this? I mean, you, you know, I'm assuming you you had to live your life, work, uh, deal with colleagues, with family members. I, I didn't ask if you have family, kids or any of that. What was that that kind of life like? I mean, to to just continue living a normal life. Well, again, normal here is not, you know. No one yeah. is, has a normal life. I mean, that's just, <laughs> we use the word normal all the time, but what's normal, what's yeah. not normal, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I don't have a family or kids. Um, but uh, other than, uh, I mean, basically in the hospital, they just look at you to see if you're, what your body language is like and what you say. That's sort of what they have to go on. Uh, blood work, I don't think will tell you much, mm-hmm. but uh, it's just how you look, what you say, how you're acting, and they, what you tell them, how you feel what you describe to them what what it's like for you and that's what they have to go on to diagnose you so my life was uh i was in the psych ward uh in and out of there six or seven times in 1994 the next three years i was in a group home i lived there and after that i've been living on my own independently and uh, i didn't i wasn't able to work the first uh, few years or so and then i got a job doing data entry and filing uh, I didn't. I don't really like data entry filing. I find it a bit boring, but I I thought it was one of the few things I might actually be able to do. It was a stick. It was a stone that I could bash the grizzly bear's head in with. <laughs> it's a tool, and so I I didn't want to go to work. I didn't want to do anything. I, I just wanted to lay in bed all day, really. But I said, you know, I if I want to fight this, I have to get up. So I went to work and tried to do the best I could, and. Uh, so this would have, this was like the early mid nineties, mid to late nineties, and mental health wasn't talked about much then. Taboo. It is now the last 10, 12 years, especially now with COVID, it's been talked about so much more. But in the nineties, I know I had to whisper the word mental health in public. I, I couldn't just walk up to someone and start talking about mental health. Um, I, I mean you can now. I can meet a total stranger in the grocery store and utter the words mental health out loud and I'm not worried about that. But uh Back That's then, true. so I'd have to I'd throw the word mental health into conversation and see how that went. Then I might try depression, see how that went. If that went okay, then maybe I might throw the <laughs> S word out there. Schizophrenia, what are they going to think of that? <laughs> so, so it was uh, generally I found most people, at least people I met, were, were fine with it. And I, I always felt that, like for coworkers, I always felt better if I just got it out of the way quickly. You know, I'd sniff them out first, you know, what, you know, could I mention, could I talk to them about what I'm going through sort of thing? But I found most of the time I could, and I would like to get, I just found myself getting it, getting it out of the way as soon as possible. I didn't have any real strategy, or, or, but I just sort of said, you know what, um, uh, I've got schizophrenia. If I seem a bit different, uh, that's why. <laughs> so w- w- uh, were people I, receptive or, or do you, you've experienced some uh, bad reactions? I was, I was lucky. I I mean, I don't know about lucky. I don't know what the stats are, but no one really gave me a hard time. Uh, 
Uh, later on in my recovery, I was starting, I, some people gave me a hard time, but it wasn't because of my disease, really. Or, I mean, not focused on, like, targeting, like, harassing me because of my disease, but it was, uh, um, but I prayed in the early years that no one would uh, give me a hard time because I really didn't know how I'd cope with it. it was, it's tough. I mean, I probably would have coped with it okay, but it's it's very scary. It's uh, when, I mean, when they when they told me what I had, schizophrenia, a doctor, a psychiatrist said, Matthew, we've been talking with the team and we think you have schizophrenia. So I asked a nurse in the hospital in the psych ward, how long might it take before I get better? And she said, sometimes it takes a couple of years before people feel like themselves again. I don't know where she got that number. A couple of years, two years. <laughs> Did she pull it out of a hat? Well, I, I think now a couple of years has been just, you know, just to a general term of, of a few something years. Something to say. Something to say to this <laughs> poor guy in the psych ward just diagnosed. I mean, normally and, a couple uh, should be too, but, but it hasn't been that way. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I thought, well, two years. I just sort of took that as a gospel truth sort of thing. Like two years. Can I, can I last that long with this pain? I didn't know. It was, I, was, I could barely hold on for the next two minutes. And uh, anyway, I sat there and I thought, well, do I fight this or did I just say bye to the world? And a few seconds went by and I said, you know what? I'm going to fight this. I'd weighed no pros and cons. I just said, I'm going to fight this. I don't know why I came up with that decision. No idea. I just said, I'm going to fight this. And then I thought, well, okay, you've decided that. How are you going to do it? Mm. But and a few seconds went by, weighed no pros and cons, weighed no tactics or strategies. The next thing I thought was, I'm going to put my life on hold. I accept the fact that I will do nothing that I enjoy for the next two years. If, when that two years comes up and I'm better, I will pick my life up from where I left off and move on with my life. So I said, okay, now that you've decided that, that's your strategy. You're going to fight. That's your strategy. How are you going to do this? When are you going to start? Well, Matthew, time's ticking. Well, I better start now. What's the first thing I can do? Well, I was in the psych ward. I thought maybe I can go into the TV room and watch an episode of Friends. Maybe Friends. I think that's the first year Friends came up in 1994. <laughs> and uh, so I said, okay. So I stood up and I started walking across the floor, across the room, over to the TV room. And it was a feeling of purposefulness of, uh, do you know the saying running the gauntlet? In the old days, there was a, uh, the if you were a warrior, like if people were shooting at you from the sides, you just head down straight ahead and hope to God no one hit you with arrows or, or swords, whatever they're throwing at you. Just head down. Be fast. Well, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's it was sort of that feeling of me walking across the room. Just it was very, uh, very just head down, and I'm doing this forceful, like a forceful walk, like I'm, I'm going through all this, and that's how it started. It, that's that's that was the start of my journey. But but again, just here in two years, a couple of years, and and you you were having difficulty with few few hours and hour to an hour, day to day, but 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 you made the right decision. Uh, ultimately, uh, to your point, there was two choices to be made, and and you you picked the right one, uh, and you did it. And by the way, it was meant for a reason, and the reason is what got you to today. And we're going to talk about that literally in in a couple of seconds here. Um, and and one question that comes to mind is that you know we we've talked about other people's relationships and things like what what about your family in terms of going through this process? 
Uh, was there any help, any support system from them? I mean, I'm assuming that they were there to to guide you through this, and maybe I'm wrong. Uh, what what was that kind? Of, because that is not easy for your loved ones or your family, your parents, and you were young. Uh, it, that's got to be also challenging for them. Uh, how was that transition? And you know, to accept the fact because it is also difficult on on your immediate family to to admit or accept maybe some of this. Like you said, mental health was like you know very taboo, very touchy. I mean, imagine the neighborhood and everybody, family. Oh my God, my son is diagnosed. Oh my, you know, and it gets crazy, right? You know, literally. I mean. You know, no pun intended for the word, but but that's how it will go. Like you know, people will just go nuts about the idea, and um, you know, you they'll be almost like you know, crossed out. You know, you, you know, this is the the family that we we don't want to interact with. It's just sad that that's how people had it, and you know, even to to date, maybe there are still people that did think that way. And as we transit to the discussion of the worldwide, you know, mental health, and that that maybe still be part of today's society somewhere. Um, what was that experience? And then we'll transit into you know what you do today to give back. Yeah. So my friends and family were supportive. It's uh, and you're right. It's tough. It's definitely tough for me. It's tough for them too. And uh, you feel very helpless. I felt very helpless. I'm sure my friends and family felt very helpless too. Like, you know, I walk into a room, I sit down, I'm not doing well. You know, how's Matthew doing? There's all this concern about me. How's Matthew doing? And part of me liked that I had people who could be concerned about me because not everybody does. Some people are abandoned. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't want everyone concerned about me. I just want to get up and live my normal life free to do what I want and just to have fun and enjoy life. And not everyone just staring at me like, what do we do about Matthew? What do we do? And I'm sitting there thinking, well, I don't know what to do. I'm sitting here, you know, maybe we could watch a TV show. Maybe we could go for a walk, you know, have a bite to eat, whatever. It's uh, just, a, I have been doing some Zooms recently with, people, family members of people with schizophrenia um, in uh, in Canada here in some places. And I'm taken right back into their kitchen, their living room, and they have a family member who's not doing well with schizophrenia. And it just takes me back to those days of uh, the desperation, the helplessness, like, what do we do? What do we do? Is there any, any anything? What can we do? Is there anything? And uh, so I was... I was thankful for the people in my life. Um, at the same time, I wished uh, they back then knew more of what to do. Uh, I mean, with the resources we have now, and you're right, like the last 20 years with research into the brain, people talking about it so much more now. It's, uh, I'm, and, and I'm not saying people going through mental illness, it's a walk in the park now by any means. It, I'm sure there's still the, the terror and the desperation and the unknowing and the helplessness, but there's just a lot more tools now, and there's more. Uh, uh, just acceptance of it and that's that's got to help that has to help so 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 matthew um you you went through your journey you you really pushed through it and you've actually prevailed um and uh you've turned a whole new key you've started helping people which again not everybody takes that route whereby you know they went through something a bad experience in life and they they went through it with really strength and successfully, and now they want to make sure that other people don't go through the same journey or the same difficulties that you had gone through. But you chose to do that to be a, a resource to help, and you decided to create your own resource 
platform uh, might aid and but with a a spin to focus on people in underdeveloped countries or war you know uh places in the world and and there's no lack there's always a war somewhere and there's always going to be devastation somewhere unfortunately that's the world we live in but also there's still countries that don't have appropriate health care uh, let alone mental health care i mean you know uh, and then there's also uh, cultures, religion, you know, uh, aspects around the world that may uh, not accept, you know, the discussion about maybe mental health or even accept it in the, in, in the cultural realm. I mean, you do not talk to this family because they have someone that is completely, you know, off, whatever the case, you know, how they would define it. But that's still, that's reality today. Uh, and we tend to always kind of focus on the Western piece of it, you know, in the US, Canada, maybe Europe. But the rest of the world may not be up there. And some parts of the world, yes. I mean, developed countries versus, you know, undeveloped would be two different places. But the idea that you took the initiative to create a resource for people and promoting different organizations that do help and take some resources and help across the world to those needy, you know, uh, individuals around the world where the care is not available, to your point, maybe not even there's no mental wards or, or, or psych, you know, wards or any mental health clinics. Maybe there's one in the whole country with maybe one doctor. Is it enough? And and we just talked about how this world is today that we all kind of have some level of, of distress. You would think that, you know, that's going to be overwhelming for one particular provider or a couple of providers. But, but so what got you into the concept? First of all, I commend, you know, your, you know, initiative and I really kudos to you and congrats for, for giving back and, and even going through these, these, like you said, you're doing zoom, you go into some people's homes and help them and guide them because you can relate to this, this, this whole, you know, experience and journey and you can give some guidance because there's, you know, it's, you know, we have a saying in, in my culture, we have a saying, don't ask, you know, the, 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 the doctor ask, uh, Maybe I make it wrong, but the idea is that you ask someone with experience, you probably get more. Uh, I think that's that's the gist of of you know the translation will probably be <laughs> butchered, <laughs> but but the idea is that you when you ask someone who has been through the the actual trenches, you know it's never the same because that's where you get the real motor, the real thing. Because it's one thing to read about things and one <laughs> is to experience it. Now you can talk based on your own experience, and of course it may be different, you know, because not all the experiences are the same. But you can relate to the, the the best compared to the parents or maybe family members because they have no clue what that person is going through, but you did. But but now you took care, you know, of of this opportunity and started an initiative called Mind Aid. It is your website. It is a, a resource. So let's talk about that and why specifically undeveloped countries. Yeah. So a lady saw me at my worst in 1994. She said, "I looked like I was walking through a world of flying glass." And I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's thanks for noticing because that's exactly how I felt. Mm -hmm. And my heart went out to people who have mental illness and extreme poverty and war. And, and like, how do they do that? I went through treated mental illness in a sleepy part of Canada. And I felt like I was living in a war zone. I don't know why, but I never went looking for content online on mental health in developing countries. So I have no idea why. But in 2017, a uh, TED Talk burbled up into my Google, Google feed, and it was by Vikram Patel. And he was one of the first people to give basic mental health care to people in developing countries. These models now are low cost, proven effective, and scalable. And the World Health Organization is trying to figure out the best way to roll them out to the masses. In the meantime, there's groups helping using these models of basic mental health care. What they do is they go into a community and they teach some of the people there 
how to give these models of basic mental health care to their own community members. They handpick certain people who might have some leadership skills or some maternal health skills, some sort of thing, and they teach them these, these, these methods. And uh, some of them don't use medications, some do. Uh, Fine Mind and Strong Minds, uh, they work in Africa. Fine Mind works in Uganda, and they don't use medications, but others do. And it's uh, it, the cause is vastly under-resourced. Some countries have only one psychiatrist per million people. Mm-hmm. Over 270 million people in developing countries have no mental health care, and the experts say that number might be low, it might be higher than that even. Uh, what's really bad, some people with mental illness are actually kept in chains in some countries. They estimate hundreds of thousands of people in 60 countries. Uh, they're tied to a bed, tied to a tree. Their their feet in sh- chains, shackles. Sometimes they have their foot through a big heavy log where they can't move away, can't walk. Uh, tied up in the shed, and not just with treated. They have untreated mental illness, tied up, extreme poverty, war. I'm like, uh, it's uh, just horrific what some people have to go through. That said. There's a man, Shekhar Saxena, he's from Harvard, he spoke at the UN, he said every country, when it comes to mental health care, is a developing country. I still would rather be in Canada for mental health care than some places in Africa. But basically what he's saying is we all have mental health care systems that are classified as developing countries. Um, There's a man in Nova Scotia, Canada, his area of Nova Scotia, he dramatically improved the mental health and addiction system there. He's got a book, his name's Todd Leader. His book's called It's Not About Us, and he teaches the rest of Canada how he did what he, how to do what he did. And he got wait times down from five to eight months down to three weeks, one week or less. He said, by, he, did, he did all this by, plus many other changes, he did all this by focus, making, them, making the, the system client-centered, not bureaucracy and paperwork-centered. When someone walks into a room, walks into a clinic, how long do they sit there? How many forms do you get them to fill out? How many rooms do you have? How many waiting rooms do you put them through before you finally see them? Or do you see them within a matter of seconds when they walk in the door? How can we help you? What's wrong? What can we do? When you have a phone answering machine, if you're a mental health organization, do you say, if this is a crisis, please call this number, 911 or 988, I guess, in the States too now? And uh, do you put that at the end of your message, like a lot of them do? Or do you put that at the very beginning? It's, it's things like that that uh, make, make a system more client-centered. The book's written for Canada, but I would, and I'm no expert, but I would assume that many other countries could do the same thing. Like developed countries could, could, get a, could learn a lot by making these systems client-centered. He was successful. So it's uh, really try to tell people about that book. But uh, I made, so I, I started researching the cause after I found Vikram Patel's TED Talk. And I thought, well, maybe, and I found a lot of the information was scattered across the web. And I thought, well, wait a minute, what if I put this all on one site to make it easier for people to find? So my website, MindAid, is a simple curation site. I don't go into a great depth in any one topic, but I will send you off in a lot of different directions on how to help people with mental illness in developing countries. I've never been outside North America. I've mostly just been in Canada, a little bit in the States in my life. Maybe someday I might have the the confidence, the mental health to travel to some developing countries. I've been invited to one country already to uh, to see the work there by Fine Mind in, uh, in Uganda, and I'm like, well, maybe I don't know. I, I it's a challenge for me to travel to Vancouver by plane. 
uh, I've done that four times throughout my recovery, and it was a challenge each time just to go to Vancouver. I mean, Vancouver is far, but it was still. I'm not going to, you know. Uh, anyway, things were yeah. so difficult for me. Yeah. I really had to watch what I did. But uh, anyway, my website. I made that in 2018. It's starting to gain some traction. It is actually the world's first website with all the groups helping the cause of mental illness in developing countries all on one site. And that's starting to get us. Uh, I was in LA Weekly recently uh, with 4 million readers. Very happy about that. And I'm getting on some podcasts <clears throat> like yours, <laughs> plus others. <laughs> and I'm enjoying speaking about it, uh, being up on stage and screen. And uh, I'm, I'm wanting to speak more about it. I'm, yeah, it's uh, the more people who know about this. I mean, if there is ever a time that mental illness in developing countries could become a thing, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, could you talk about mental health now? Not really. Well, you can't talk about it now. So the great thing about it is that for decades, decades, we've been, we've been giving money, helping people in developing countries, clean water, building schools, mosquito bed nets, all sorts of things, buying goats. We all get that. We get that. That is so common. Now, all I'm saying is now that we're talking about mental health, especially with COVID, bringing it wide out into the open, can we bring in this other cause of mental health that affects so many people, hundreds of millions? Can we throw this in there? It is vastly unresourced, but there's ways to help. They're low cost, proven effective, scalable, these models of basic mental health care. Can we get more eyeballs on this? Can we get more dollars flowing? Can we get more feet on the ground helping people get their get their mental health back? It's, it, if, you're, if you're living in extreme poverty and you can't get out of bed, you can't feed your family. That's it's a death sentence for your family. Yeah. So first, I mean, some of these groups, uh, nonprofits these days, you can donate as little as three, $3 a month to some of them, $5 a month, $10 a month, $3 a month. That's a coffee once a month, 10 cents uh, actually, a day. Coffee is, is more expensive these days. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, You go to Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, I think you're looking at maybe three ninety nine, just a small thing. So yeah, coffee <laughs> is expensive. And by the way, worldwide, the same price. It doesn't matter where you are. Uh, yeah. but, but, but you're right. I mean, it doesn't, it shouldn't cost a lot. And, uh, to your point, but the question that comes to mind, first of all, a great job, dude. And, and, you know, keep up the great work, keep coming on, you know, these shows, uh, I'll do a blast of this and hopefully more people can hear about it. This is the iHealth channel, iHealth radio. It is worldwide. So people will, you know, eventually get to this discussion. Uh, and you know, we'll do some promotion around it, but, but, but for the work that you do, uh, the more the merrier, I think, uh, the site that, or the link that you have, the website should be exposed to others, but you know, there's always skeptics out there. You know, some people will, will probably question like, you know, what, what are those companies? Where's the money going? What would you tell them? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that these are all better com you know, uh, companies and, uh, I guess, you know, not-for-profits that are out there. Uh, what would you say just to, because that will be a first question, like as soon as you start talking about donation and, and about resources and worldwide, like I don't know who I'm going to give my money to. Um, people, it's just the way it is, right? So what would you yeah. say to people? Well, there's some big names behind this. Uh, one of the group's partners in health, Bill Clinton, and the band Arcade Fire uh, endorsed them. Ashley Judd, the actress and singer, She's narrated a promo video for Strong Minds. They work in Africa, helping women with depression. Forrest Whitaker, the Star Wars actor, he his foundation is working with Fine Mind in Uganda. And uh, Robin Williams' son, Zach Williams, as well as Allison 
uh, Allison Janney, the Hollywood actress, and Tim Shriver, founder of the Special Olympics. Those three, they have, a, and others, uh, they have a platform, uh, hashtag Break the Chains, and you can sign a pledge there to help unchain people with mental illness. So there are some big names behind this. The, the big groups like UNICEF, World Vision, Oxfam, they are working to help uh, Doctors Without Borders. They do work helping people with mental illness, um, and you can donate to them. There are other smaller groups, like some I just mentioned, like uh, Partners in Health, Fine Minds, Strong Minds, who have those big endorsements. They're smaller nonprofits, but they can scale. Given the funding, they can scale. That's what they want to do, is scale up. And it's, uh, yeah, they, uh, they're they they're not as well known, but the more people know about this, the more they can become household names. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be uh, Try Recovery, uh, sorry, Try Global. They use trauma recovery yoga. They're working in Iraq, and they want to work in Ukraine later this year. They've got a fundraiser that they're looking for money for, but they use trauma recovery yoga to help people uh, like in, in war right now, refugees and, and people with PTSD, and they're getting good results. What if that was a household name? How many people are doing that? It's uh, I just want more more eyeballs on this. These groups, these nonprofits, these, these smaller ones are on social media. They post regularly. Get to know them. Follow them. Subscribe to them. Share their posts. Get people talking about this. I think, and I'm no expert, but I, I'm taking a cue from Catherine Hayhoe. She's an environmental advocate. And she says the best thing to do about the environment is simply talk about it, to have conversations about it, get more people talking and taking action, even before like uh, putting up solar panels and buying EVs. I'm taking a cue from her, and I, I don't know if this is based in truth or fact at all, but I'm saying the biggest thing we can do for mental health in developing countries is talk about, have conversations. The more people who know about it right now can help. How many people think about this? How many people think about someone in a developing country who has OCD or bipolar? Who's helping them? They're sitting there right now. There's somebody sitting there with bipolar right now, untreated, desperate for help like I was. Desperate. His family's around. How do we, how do we help this person? There's so, ways to help. They so figured Matthew- it out. You did, and and by the way, I mean, you mentioned some some powerful names, and uh, and you said it best. I mean, do the research, follow them, and stuff. You're not asking just people to just jump in in the water here. You can do. Well, that, good, that's the other thing yeah. too. Sorry, that's the other thing too. Sorry to interrupt. No, no way. I, uh, uh, I encourage people to 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 before anybody makes a donation to any nonprofit, no matter what it is. I really encourage people to do their due diligence to make sure you're happy with your donation. So spend some time, go on their websites, go on their, uh, look up their financials, uh, follow them, see, see more what they're about, get out, find social proof. And uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, like I said, I'm no expert. But in the back recesses of my, my mind, I'm thinking, well, Matthew, you found these groups online. How, how do you know? You haven't been there and talked to them. I have talked to them online and on Zoom. I've reached out to almost all of them. And uh, they've been appreciative of what I'm doing. And, uh, but your voice, you're, you're a voice that promotes, you know, this, the solution to, to, to helping people just like you, you were seeking help and maybe you, you were able to get it in, in, in the Western world, but, and developed countries may not have access to, to your point. And maybe one doctor to million plus, and, and it's not, you know, even yeah. remotely acceptable, but. Yeah, I'm not a charity rating or evaluation agency, and that's what I want to get. Uh, f- uh, find more people who are better at this than I am. I mean, I mean, I'm not even good at that. I don't know how people do that, but to have someone 
just um, I, I just want more uh, officialness about my website, and I, I'm working on that. I'm trying to find more people to because uh, I'm new to this. I'm a newbie. That's one thing I encourage people to do is if you want to help somebody in your life. So many of us don't go after our dreams. Things we want to do, we don't go after. We watch another show on Netflix. We eat more junk food and call it a day. We, we live on the couch. But if people went after their dreams more, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm no expert. I'm just some guy who grew up in a small town who stumbled upon this cause and is trying to help. You can help. There's so many causes out there needing help. So many people need feet on the ground. And I simply was reading books, learning how to do this. I was reading books on how to public speak, how to advocate, how to make a website and social media, fundraise, start a nonprofit. There are courses, there are books on how to start a nonprofit. I've been reading those. Mm -hmm. And I really encourage people to just start doing something. Take one small step. You may not, uh, that small step will give you a bit of confidence. Take another small step. That'll give you more confidence. Don't wait for the confidence to take action. The actions will give you, will slowly give you the confidence over time, like building a brick wall or a brick house. You may not start off very confident, but every phone call you make, every book you read, every post you make, every whatever, all these things you can do. And a lot of these, I mean, you, this isn't E equals MC squared stuff. I mean, how to start a nonprofit is not quantum physics. You can read a book, then they can explain it to you fairly easily. It's work, but it's all one, sm one small step, one small thing at a time. And that's what I'm, so I, I'm growing, I'm learning, I want to get better at this, and I, I, I want to be totally transparent and, and honest with people and say, look, I don't know everything about this. I, I've made a website. I'm not an official anything. I'm not even, I don't even have like a business registration number, whatever it is. And uh, I'm not accepting money, but I, I'm, I'm getting the word out. And that's what I'm trying to tell people is you You're don't an need a degree. Yeah, you, to have an effect in the world, you don't need a degree. You don't need to have 17 letters after your name <laughs> to start. <laughs> and with with the internet, with and you can have a website up for free in minutes or a blog up for free in minutes. You can have social media up for free in minutes. You can have YouTube up for free in minutes. Start talking about this. Find a cause. Maybe it's not your ultimate cause. Maybe a year or two down the road, you say, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do this. But all that knowledge you got of starting, of getting on YouTube and speaking about a cause, meeting with people—that's all experience that you, that will that will that'll you'll learn a lot from that. Uh, simply start trying to help other people. There's a TED talk by Martin Seligman, and he said it's called uh, the New Era of Positive Psychology. And he said it's proven now; psychologists have proven the best predictor of long-term life satisfaction is helping other people or the animals, or the, or the environment, helping a cause, uh, giving back, philanthropy. That's the best predictor of long-term life satisfaction. And that's, you asked why I started this. This is, that's one of the reasons I started this, was because I'm trying to help myself. What's one of the best ways to help myself? Helping other people. There's an episode, uh, sorry to mention the show Friends again. There's an episode of Friends where uh, Phoebe and Joey were having a debate about, is there really such a thing as a selfless good deed? Because this is, they said one of them, they were saying every good deed was not just out to make you feel better. So I don't know. I'm like, I'm starting this. I say I've found my life, my life's passion with helping people with mental illness in developing countries. I'm pretty sure that's what I'll be doing for the rest of my life. I don't know for sure if that what is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Maybe I'm supposed to be helping manta rays out in the ocean, conserving them. I don't know. I tried this. I started this. It's working. I enjoy it. 
there's probably a million things I could do today that would make me happy and probably 10 million that would make me unhappy. But I'm doing this. It's working. I'll keep going with it. It's my biggest idea. I don't know. I'm, you don't. Uh, am I passionate about it? People say I sound very passionate about it. I 100% don't know if it is my passion. I don't know. It's an interest. There's an article online about uh, how passion is overrated. Do things that interest you. You don't have to be this cheerleader, loudspeaker, megaphone, go, go, go person all the time to get stuff done. Jane Goodall, the environmental and chimpanzee advocate, she is soft-spoken. She's quiet. She speaks very quietly. She is not a in-your-face Tony Robbins, jump up and down, let's go do stuff. She's very. She's a very quiet, let's go do stuff. And it works. If you're an introvert, you can still get stuff done. You don't have to... I mean, a lot of speaking is simply speaking to one person. Uh, if you're up on a stage speaking to thousands of people, sure, a lot of people may be more louder, extroverted. Jane Goodall isn't. She's still very quiet. All you're ever doing is talking to one person. And for people starting out, I can say from experience with me getting onto podcasts in the last few months, talking to a podcaster like you <laughs> is just a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I don't feel like there's thousands of people listening right now, even though there will be. And they are. And I just feel like it's con <laughs> conversation. But, but you so know confidence is, so I'm doing things now after five years of advocacy work that I could not do in my first year. But I slowly, 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 slowly grew into that phone conversation, email, post, just slowly. And your conference grows. Your conference grows. And that's what I encourage people to do. Is uh, and, and let's, Anyway, that's a tangent. But uh, I'm not a charity rating or evaluation, evaluation agency. Hopefully, somewhere down the road, my website will be more official and and be more just, and I've got to learn how to do that. So and, if, and yeah. you are you are a resource. And by the way, remember when I said you know when you made that decision in that mental health clinic that you're gonna beat this and you're gonna walk through that TV, whatever, watch the the, the first episode of Friends. Well, you were meant to do this, and you know that you know I, not I do believe personally that everything happens for a reason, and uh, you know we don't know what our legacy is going to be on this planet, and uh, you know we all have uh, a call, and this was your call, and you know what, uh, you find yourself doing something, uh, and we all have at least I believe in that personally. Same thing when I started my 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 radio and, and media. You know, company it was just the idea that I wanted just to give a mission to help and educate, enlighten, and inspire and motivate people. That was it. And how I'm going to do it? Well, I'm going to start. And it was just just the same idea. Like I'm going to start with one show. It was just me, no guest. And for a few months, that was the case. But you know, it just evolved slowly but surely. But I know one thing that I want this, and I want to continue doing this. Uh, you know, and that's it. Nothing's going to stop me, and I will continue doing it because I believe in it. And I and the reason and what motivates me the most is you. Literally, you and and my guests, because every episode, every show, every guest that comes on has a story, has a mission, has a passion, and is a resource for uh, for the world out there. And I know that someone somewhere, you know, sometime will benefit from this, regardless today, tomorrow, next year, someone's gonna get to this, and they're gonna wow. I I hope I learned about this before. The idea is just to get it to as many people as possible, and that's what we're working on. But it's the same concept. We're in the same work. Uh, we just have different angles. You know, I, I create a platform for resources such as yourself. But the idea is exactly the same. You believe in this because you don't want... And by the way, we all have 
gone through our lives. And we wish that we had help. We had things done. And if we are really, you know, when you reflect on life sometimes and you say, by the way, we're 51, both of us. So we're in that age where we really, you know, you know that if we get lucky to have another 50, but the chances are maybe not. And even if you did, you know, how well are you going to live, you know, past a certain age? So, so it's time to give back. You've gone enough in life and it, it is, it is a, a beautiful thing to do because we don't know. But at least when we're not in this world, this continues. You know, people will still hear about this. You know, someone will be helped. So your 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 seeds that you planted today, they're gonna be with fruits. Somebody somebody's gonna enjoy them, and that's good enough. And for me, at least knowing that as a fact, I'm happy with it. So what you're doing is really that, and you're taking it on the road. Like you're right. I mean, in Canada, in the states, you know, we have a decent healthcare system because because that's still a tough a tough discussion we can have you know about how they how well they are and stuff and you know mental health is not the greatest even to your point even in the states or canada and probably not even around the the most you know advanced countries and when you're thinking about third world countries you're thinking about war countries you know it's definitely devastating even 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 in modern countries or western countries and, and that are developed if something god forbid happens we have a tragedy we have you know uh we have a storm, like, you know, we had some hurricanes and tornadoes, whatever, devastating areas. It affects mental health first thing, you know, and you know, when you get afflicted with financial, the first thing that goes to your mental health, this is this almost a clear, you lose your job. Oh my God, you start losing it. You're depressed, your anxiety, all this stuff happens. And that's a simple example. So we all experience it to a degree or another, but having the resources to access, you know, whether local or overseas. You know, I come from overseas, you know, and I have family overseas. And I can tell you, overseas is not the same. You know, the world is not as we think. You know, there's poverty. There's there's limitation of, of resources. Uh, as best as those countries can do, you know, they're still not where they need to be, right? And so resources and, and companies that are reputable that are able to do these, these you know, work and, and, and a terrible help, you know, and, and assistance in those places is a good thing. What you did is really create a resource platform that has that uh, a focus on mental health and for certain countries in the world that actually needed the most. Not that wrong with that. Like you said, uh, I love what you said about if someone should do the due diligence, you know, check them out and uh, follow them, make sure this is the right place. And then you're going to invest in your own legacy by helping someone. And that's all there is. And again, there is always a beauty in helping people. You know, I, I, I do believe in that. There is there's a sense that is unique when you give um, as opposed to take. Some people lo love to take, but but there is no real satisfaction except when you give. You know, because you can have everything and it's going to become nothing, you know, because once you have something, you can dream of anything big and once you have it, you use it for a couple of days. Okay, cool. I have it. <laughs> yeah, it's really, that's how we all do, right? You you dream of something, you do it, like, okay, now I have it. So what's the big deal? Uh, work, same thing. doesn't matter, money. But the satisfaction that we have when we give is just, there's nothing like it, period and out. And we can enjoy everything in our lives, but, but when you know that somebody's going to benefit, there is just a level of feeling that is unique about it. And the more we do it, the more you just want more of it. It's just literally, it's a drug, but but you have to get into it to understand what it means. And most people may not get to that point. And when they do, it's like, wow, this is cool, satisfying. And it it, it means something. You know, at least you know that you are you have value in, in this life and you give back to the world. Uh, we all take from the world all our lives. You know, it's okay to give something back to them. And, and sometimes it's just putting one-on-one -on -one together resources together it's not a big deal and yes it's got to take time i mean you're going out talking and stuff it's your time and time is money 
time is value, but but this value equates the help that you're giving to people, uh, and that in itself something that that is you know more than money. I think there is there's no price to it. it's priceless, uh, and so so again you're doing it, continue doing it. Uh, love the work. Uh, now I will have the actual uh, link uh, of your website into the description show so people can actually you know uh, touch it, go through it, um, also connect directly with the organizations. Uh, also, on my website, you you will have a picture there. If they click on it, it will go right to your to the site as well. So if people want to just check, and we'll have this this posted all over the world. So it will be on the radio, the podcast, the channels, the all the visual media. So again, people will have access to it. Hopefully, you know, those that are in need of it can hear it and maybe can reach out. And even people around the world, they might be able to actually access the website and know the resources and maybe reach out directly to them. See, that's the other thing, as simple as that, it can help, you know, but if you don't know about the site, nobody knows about it, you know, they're not going to do nobody. And again, even if I do the search and I do my aid, I mean, I'm not going to think about it that way, you know, um, I'm, I'm mental health help, whatever. It's going to be maybe a whole bunch of stuff in Google that's going to come up. I don't know, but, but knowing where to look and really going direct to the source, that's important. And you're doing that. So again, I, I congratulate you for the work and for what you've done so far. And you know what, after the pandemic, it is clear that this mental health is just more relevant than ever. Uh, and people are aware of it now because, it, it, to your point, it affected everybody. It's not just one pocket or the other. Everybody's gone through it, and it got worse for everyone. Uh, you know, only the few can, you know, really survive this in 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 hundred percent, you know, with no impact. But most of us had some sort of impact. Uh, just being locked down alone is 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 got a big psyche, you know, uh, impact in there. So everyone ha has a need for it. It's just that some people don't have the access to the resources, which you do bring. So again, thank you so much for that. I think you've given a lot and uh, you continue doing this. And I, I, I just will support your mission here and you, you're welcome to come back anytime and talk more about this. Um, and um, any last advice you want to give to people, our audiences right now? So a lot of what I've talked about uh, today is on my website under uh, i've got a link there called my best mental health tips and it's in the about section of mind aid and i really encourage people to go there i've got a, those are my best books articles resources youtube channels that i found that have helped me and if you want to get in my head quickly uh pick my brain quickly that's uh one of the best ways to do that these are books and things i've talked to people about for years and things that have helped me so much. Um, I really encourage people to go check that out for their own mental health or somebody they know. And yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm also looking for other podcasts to be on. Uh, people can hire me to speak at their event. Uh, I want to be up on stage and screen. If you can have any part of that and getting me up in front of people to spread the message about uh, for people listening, if you, if you want to be any of any part of that, please reach out to me. I will happily speak where I can. <laughs> Uh, listen, that, that's that's true. I'm on social media. All my links. Sorry, yeah. No, no, that's uh, all that's my links to social media are on the website. So yeah. You, you listen. I mean, uh, you you're willing, and and not everybody is. So so again, thank you again for 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 willing and 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 sharing. And everybody wants to share all their their tricks. And, and you're like an open book right now about all those tricks. So so people should take take whatever they can, and and it's available. So yeah, folks, listen. Got Matthew here, plenty of resources for you. If you dabble with the mental health or you know someone that needs the help, 
or organization that need the help, you know, do check in, you know, and uh, nothing to lose. Click in there, see what's worth and uh, share away. And uh, you can help people and, and and those people, maybe those people may help other people and, and, and so on and so forth. And there, therefore, you know, a lot of people will be able to live a better life. And uh, you never know who you help, maybe not even... You know, you thought about you talked about suicide earlier, right? And you don't know who could be potentially thinking and and contemplating that. And because of watching or listening or getting into one of those resources, their life can change, and maybe they'll be the the next person that's going to change the world. We don't know, but but you know, hope for the best, and that's all. And and do and do your best as well, and that's all there is. Um, well, so Matthew, thank you for being with us for for you know a great show and for sharing your life and your resources and the work you do. Uh, and uh, folks, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that you've gotten a lot of good, good, good uh, information and resources that you can live with, share to others, and just, you know, enjoy. Um, that being said, I'm Hurricane H. We'll be talking soon. New day, new show, new topic. Bye for now.